you know, how many of you understand that there really are dimensions to God in the sense that you know, Colossians says that God, call, God holds everything together by the word of his power so that if God was removed from, for instance, from the earth, literally the molecules themselves would explode. So they're in a, in a, not in the way that a New Age person would think it, but God is in a rock in that sense. God is actually the, he's actually the person or the, 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 he, he's what glues material together. He's what glues nature together. So in that sense, God is everywhere, right? He's omnipresent. And then, um, how many of you understand that when you receive Jesus, he is, he's in you in a way that he wasn't in you before you knew him. And in this way, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're literally the mobile home of God. How many of you know that's true? And then there's another uh, level of God's presence that Jesus said, when two or three of you gather together in his name, that he's there in your midst. Now, how many of you understand that he was there in the sense that he was in the rock before you got there? And if you if you're a believer... He was actually there before you gathered with other people. And so, but then when there's two or three of us that gather together, how many of you understand that there's another dimension of God's presence? I, I don't know how exactly you explain this except for to quote the scripture and everyone who's experienced that goes, yeah, there's something. I met God. It's like, well, I thought you met God a long time ago. It's like I met God, but then I met God. <laughs> and, and there's another sense of knowing or, or experiencing the presence of God. And then there's kind of like the Acts 2 presence of God, where they're all together in one place, and you know the story, Acts 1. And then the Holy Spirit falls on them in a way that not only is He, not only is He in them, but they are in Him. It's John 17 prayer that Jesus prayed. He said, I pray that they would be in, that we would be in them and they would be in us. And how many understand that? When you received Jesus, the Holy Spirit came in you. When you see the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you came in Him. So He's in you and you're in Him. And there's another expression of that. And, you know, it's some, for some people, it's they, in, in the book of Acts, for instance, they were acting intoxicated in that they were doing things that were not normal. And we had a whole bunch of that this week. If you were here... People are like, whew, falling down, getting drunk, saying silly things. And we're like, wow, that's, that's, that's different. <laughs> and, you know, a, 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 lot, a lot of people are like, you know, well, God is everywhere. That's true. And God is in you if you receive him. Well, that's true. And God is with us when there's two or three together. He's with us in another dimension. And that's true. And then, and then there's, there's this another dimension of God in which, he comes so powerfully that he literally, for many people, intoxicates them. The only thing we can say in the natural is they're acting as if they were drunk with wine. And so there's another, there's another dimension. And all I'm saying is, and I don't know that we have even tapped into all the dimensions of God, but we've experienced some. And, and I, I think it's really easy for us to like build some kind of theology like, well, um, I've heard people say, you know, these people are praying for more of God. I have all of God. When I received Jesus Christ, 
I received all of God. And how many of you know, theologically, there's a sense that that's true. But then there's a sense that God's everywhere. And so I'm simply saying that there are dimensions of God that I don't know that we've explored. And I don't know that the intoxicating presence of God is the final, the, you know, the last frontier, if you will. I think that there are manifestations of God that we will be discovering and our children's children will discover that we never thought of because we didn't think this one up. And um, and so things happen, things and we've been talking about um, for probably three or four le- weeks that I've been preaching. We've been talking about spiritual intelligence, that basically the ability to see, perceive the world through another dimension to actually just like your brain, like you have five senses, and this is what I taught, I think, a couple of weeks ago. You have five senses, you know, you smell, you taste, you hear, you feel, um, and whatever the other ones you see, and I'm sure I forgot one. But you get the idea. And, and, and out of those five senses, the natural man makes decisions. And so, and I was sharing um, a couple of weeks ago that when you walk in your house, if you smell smoke, it, you, suddenly you're processing Hmm, something seems wrong. If you if you smell smoke and you feel heat, you, you probably intensifies your um, your 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 need to it increases the urgency. If you smell smoke and feel heat and see fire, you you get the idea. What I'm getting is getting at is that your five senses create you make decisions. They create some level of urgency and and in the and when we come into into God, we have this other dimension. We have this Holy Spirit dimension and our spirit comes alive. And so our spirit's interacting with the Holy Spirit and we begin to have this whole other dimension of, of understanding life through, uh, I don't want to say one sense, but several senses. And we've been teaching about the senses, how the prophetic, uh, prophetic ministry is actually not just about knowing something, but it's about the a way, a way that we perceive life, that we, the, the gift of prophecy, in my opinion, isn't just about knowing the future. It's about perceiving life through another sense, if you will. Another, uh, uh, a sixth sense, if you will. And I don't want to be weird, but the word of knowledge. And so we've been teaching about the different dimensions of uh, God's spirit and how when we come into God that we, we have this spiritual intelligence. And I did this whole PowerPoint for the first time ever. I used PowerPoint like, a week or two ago. Yes. Moving in wonders and signs and, and Danny Silk. And, um, and we, we talked about the difference between IQ, EQ, emotional intelligence and SQ and the way God's just opening us up to new dimensions. And I think, um, I'm so excited about this. So one, the one thing I want to just repeat is, uh, in Daniel 1 verse, um, verse 17, he's talking about Daniel and that Daniel had intelligence he had wisdom, he had understanding, and he, and he understood vi- dr- dreams and visions. I'm sorry, dreams and visions. But I love this one uh, thing. It says, and God gave him knowledge and intelligence. And what's really, what I brought up uh, last time is that word knowledge right there is actually translated bedchamber in another place. Because the word knowledge there, let's see, where is the, it, it's in uh, Ecclesiastes 10.20. The same word knowledge that God gave Daniel knowledge is actually translated bedchamber in Ecclesiastes. And the reason is, is because this is the knowledge that you get from coming into intimacy with God. 
How many? It's it it's comes from the root word yada. You know, yada means intercourse. It's not talking about sex. It's talking about intercourse. And when we have intercourse with God, He tells us His secrets. In fact, I think it's Amos chapter nine that says God does nothing except for He reveal His secrets to His servants, the prophets. And so we have we come into this place where we have yada with God. We have intercourse with God. And when we have intercourse with God, we receive knowledge, information about things that we didn't know in, uh, without having this intercourse with the creator who created everything. And so that's kind of um, exciting. But tonight I actually want to talk about the X factor, signs and wonders. I can't see that at all. Yeah. Oh, really? You had a dream about um, an Indian Speaking to you in a dream? Yes? Did you? Last night? Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, <laughs> would you stand up, please? What's your name? Emily. Emily. Yeah, Emily, I feel like the Lord's put foundations in you. And um, in Hebrews, it says that Abraham was looking for a city that had foundations and whose builder and maker was God. Uh, I really believe that the Lord is releasing in you foundations for cities, foundations for nations. And I saw you, um, I saw you like uh, Isaac when he dug up the age old foundations of his uh, uh, wells. He dug up the wells of his father, um, Jacob. Isaac redug the wells of Jacob. And the first well was called contention. The second well was called something similar. But the third well was like an artesian well. And when he dug the third well, the world came to him and said, um, make friends with us. And Isaac said, I thought you didn't like me. And they said, we did it until we realized God was with you. And um, I see you redigging wells that have been stopped up by the Philistines, by the world. You're redigging them. And at first, their two, first two wells, the first two wells that you dig up will cause contention. But the third one will cause the world to come. And drink at your well, and it'll be an artesian well, an everlasting well, a well that opens up the educational uh, um, system to God. And um, it's a well that you're going to dig in a university that's going to, uh, the third well you'll dig in a university, and it's going to uh, spring up to a new way of thinking, a new educational system, a new way of education. And the Lord's um, going to do it in you and through you, and this dream that you had. Is, uh, was a, a commissioning dream from, um, from a Native American because uh, it's coming from um, the history, the very roots of our country are being released over you, that this country was born in, um, in wonders and signs and miracles, and the Lord's going to redig those wells and going to teach through the educational system the true, uh, uh, the true history, his story, of America and of nations. And so I release that over you. And Chris and Bill, why don't you guys just lay hands on her? I just release that over you in the name of Jesus right now. That the foundations of the deep would be open over your life right now. The foundations of the deep would be open and that the Lord would give you a series of dreams um, um, over three nights. And then uh, you'll go three more years and have three more nights of dreams. And these dreams will tell you where to dig and what to dig. And the Lord says, remember that the first well and the second well will bring contention. It's not because you're contentious. It's just because of what you expose will bring contention. And the Lord says, don't worry about that. 
Just remember the third well. The third well is coming. It's the wells of Isaac. It will bring laughter and joy and peace to, to, to countries and to cities and to nations. And we release that over you in Jesus' name. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good word. I'm right about that. Would you turn to Mark 16? I'm going to start out just really simply. Um, most of these passages you'll, you'll be aware of if you've been around here very long. Um, verse, uh, Mark 16, did I tell you that? Verse 16, um, he who's believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who's disbelieved shall be condemned. How many of you are believers your believers. Okay, I love this verse. The next verse says, and these signs will accompany those who have believed. Let's go back and make sure that we understand the pretext. He who believes and has been baptized shall be saved. He who believes, not the leaders who believe, not the first century believers who believe, not the special people who believe, just he who believes. And is baptized shall be saved. So that's the pretext. That's Jesus's. And then Jesus said, these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll pick up serpents. If they drink deadly poison, it will not harm them. They'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying at all that this is the final word on believing or is it the only word about miracles or that we should at all go and find snakes and pick them up and drink poison or do some weird stuff? I just think the Lord is saying you have if you're a believer, you have power over the elements and you have power over demonic princes. Like if you're a believer, you have you have power over the natural elements, whether they're coming from the spiritual dimension, you'll pick up serpents or whether they're coming from the natural dimension, you'll drink deadly things and it will not harm you. That actually, that if you're a believer, that you that it's natural for you to be supernatural or to carry the kingdom wherever you go, like a, you have a superior kingdom. And so um, you I, I think it's I, I know that um, there's a kind of um, hyper spiritualism that has become um, really popular, and, and it comes in waves. And I know, and, and I, I'm not opposed to any of these manifestations, so please, um, I'm talking about the way that people um, demonstrate that they are supernatural. First of all, I think it's natural to be supernatural when you receive Jesus Christ. I think you have to actually try to not do miracles. I think you have to talk yourself out of being supernatural Bill's brought this up so many times that Corinthians were corrected and Paul said to them, you are acting like mere men. That was a correction. Like, stop it. Stop acting normal. You are not normal. And, you know, there are things that we are held to a higher standard on. And I'm speaking to myself so, uh, as well as you, so please don't think I have all this together. Sometimes I feel like we're required to talk about things that, that we, we should be talking to ourselves about. Like, I need to listen to the CD of this. And, you know, I remember this is a few years ago going into Danny's office really distraught. And he sat, he's such a great listener. He was sat for probably 20 minutes while I, 
talked about my problems and, and he just listened and looked at me like he really cared. He may have fallen asleep, but a good counselor can, they can just look at you like they really care, even though they're thinking about the football game. And he's, actually Danny really does care. So, and so he was listening to me when he got, when I got about 20 minutes into my, my distress. He looked at me and he goes, man, there's a great book you need to read. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, it's called The Supernatural Ways of Royalty. <laughs> His point was, like, you've lost, you've messed your own message up, you know. Um, so I, I think that some, sometimes I think that um, it's, it's really important for us to realize that it's natural to be supernatural. And with God with us creates, um, we're hard, we're, we're, we are... Um, we're held to a higher standard. We're held to a higher standard. In fact, uh, Paul says that judgment will begin with the church. We're, we're held to a higher standard. I actually don't have permission to worry because worry, being a child of God and worrying is actually, is, 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 actually it's, it's sin. The world can worry. I don't know what God thinks about the world worrying, but when I worry, when you worry, it's actually sin. You're actually saying to God, I don't believe you because we have all these promises. We have promises that God's going to be with us, that he's going to work through us, that he's going to bless us, that he's going to give us abundant life, that he's actually home all the time, that there's nothing impossible with God. So how many understand that worrying is illogical? Well, anyway, <laughs> maybe you needed to hear that. I certainly do. At times, and so I want to um, talk a little bit about the X factor. You know, when people uh, talk about signs and wonders, and they don't believe in signs and wonders, um, I, I understand. I'm like I'm not mad at anybody or opposed to some movement or, or denomination or religion because they quote don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit or, or whatever. I want to be really clear. Like I, I want to honor. Where everybody's at is, you know, at one point in life, probably none of us believed in signs and wonders. And, and so, you know, I understand that we're in this, we're in this process with God. We're in this process in life. And I don't want to condemn somebody for the place they are in, the, in their process with God. But, um, it's very difficult to read the Bible and not believe in signs and wonders unless you somehow, um, unless you somehow reinterpret its pages. Because um, the miracles, wonders, signs, things that are not natural in this realm are the Bible is full of things that aren't natural in this realm. And it's full of strange stories that we celebrate in history and crucify anyone who has them in, in our day. It's really easy to celebrate a story that happened, you know, two, three, four thousand years ago. Well, that's a great story. You know, uh, tell that story in in um, children's church to our children. And 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 then when they actually believe that story and actually start moving it, then we then we think those people are weird or there's something strange with them. And and how many of you understand that we've come to uh, if I can use the word strange, not in a demeaning way, but we've come to a strange kingdom. We've come to a kingdom that doesn't, will not stay inside the, uh, the box of physics and the laws of physics that we, that we live in in this dimension. We've come to an infinite kingdom where nothing is impossible and where things live forever. <laughs> we've, come to this, we've come to this strange kingdom. And so um, Ezekiel, in chapter 8 of Ezekiel, I just want to give you just a couple of examples. 
In, in chapter 8 of Ezekiel, Ezekiel is sitting with the elders of Israel. And while he's sitting with the elders of Israel, all of a sudden he, um, something powerful happens. And, and this is what it says. And the Spirit of the Lord picked up Ezekiel by his head, by his hair, and thrust him through the midheaven. While the elders looked on. I mean, that's a pretty weird story. Then he says, I went down by the, the brook Cherub, and the glory of the Lord was standing there. Oh. Get her done, you know. He has a vision, like in the second chapter, I saw this vision, there was wheels within wheels, and the, wheel, and it was, the wheels were turning. And I, I'm like, you know, it's just, it's really difficult to read the Bible and come to a place where you really, I mean, where you really question that anything could be God. Anything positive. It's like, so people are like, well, people fell down. How could that be God? I'm like, well, have you actually read the Bible? Like, people are like, that's not in the Bible. No, that's not in the Bible, but weirder things are. (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, people are like, well, being slain in the Spirit isn't in the Bible. Well, yeah, that one actually is in the Bible. The, the, um, when the soldiers came to arrest Jesus, he says, and who is it that you seek? And it says they all fell down. That one's actually in the Bible. <laughs> but I think Ezekiel's trip is, an, is another level. Like, you know, people just... And, and Jeremiah, you know, he's naked and God tells him, like, you know, what I want you to do is lay on your side for three and a half years one way. And, and then, I, you know, I'm sorry, it's been a while since I read the story. And I'm like, wow, you know, it's like this stuff that we're, we're like, this is, this, is, this is mild salsa that we're in right here. <laughs> Seriously. Like, you know, we're like, what? Gold dust. I'm like, dude, gold dust is nothing. Think about if you came to church and your pastor's like, wow. I think that's why Bill's growing his hair long, just like. One of the things that happens, I think, is when people read these stories, and, and uh, this, is my, this is my response, like, I've been around people who are weird. <laughs> I, I don't mean like, I mean, they read Ezekiel and they think that it's going to happen if they, like, get a staff and, you know, get a ponytail and drive a certain weird car. And it's like, and you talk to them and they're like, <laughs> You, you know how to get that, you got, I used to practice that look. You're like, the Lord's on me, bro. You'll know it because I start to sound like Shakespeare. And that, that stuff really troubles me. I, I don't like when people aren't authentic. I don't like when people are trying to be spiritual. I don't, I don't, I, I actually don't like it. Like, I have resistance to that when, and maybe it's because I did it for so long, like I really am tired of it. It's trying to be scary. And people say things like, you know, I just came from school. And you're like, yeah, I know that. How'd you know that? The Lord told me. 
Um, people do weird stuff. I mean, you know, I pastor the prophets, so I mean, we are the. They're like God told me some stuff about you, but He told me I can't tell you. Why the heck did you tell me that He told you that? It's this thing about being mysterious and being mystical. You, you, have you met people like that? It's just, you know, it's like, it's just, I, um, I have this thing about, I have a real thing about being authentic. I mean, I, I just want to be real. I, if your real is quiet and reserved, that's fine. If your real is bizarre and odd, that's fine too. No, I don't, it doesn't bother me as long as it's real. I'm not being funny. I'm actually being serious. Like, there are people, they're just strange. Some of them are friends of mine. They're just strange. They're just strange people. Like, like they've always been strange their whole life. And it's just, they're strange. And, and, I, and I like that they're strange because they're just being themselves. And for years, they went to school where, where strange was trying to, where teachers and and principals and parents tried to get strange out of them. And they tried to make them like not be who they are. And I'm like, I don't, I don't like that. I just like you to be you. Just be you. Whoever God's called you to be, just be you. And be the best you you can. But, but I don't like if you try to make me you. Like, I don't, I don't like that. So when we pray for people, people fall down. I love when people fall down. As a matter I even like when they fake it, actually. And that's, not even, that's against what I just said. It's the opposite of being authentic. I'm just being real with you. It's like it feels good when you fall down when I pray for you. It's not related to anything spiritual. It's related to my ego. I feel powerful when, when you fall down. I'm just telling you the truth. I actually don't like when you're faking it. But, you know, I, 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 I don't think I've ever actually fallen down in my whole life. And I get prayed for and I don't fall down and... People, you know, they're like, oh, poor man. And I and I feel really bad for it. I've, I've gone through seasons of feeling really, really, really bad. And, and the intercessors took me on as their project for a long time. And they would pray for me. And I have to confess, I, I took some courtesy falls just to stop praying. And then go home feeling so dishonest, like I lied. And the Arnots will just, are just here, and I love them. They are two of my favorite people in the world. And I mean, I actually called John for advice, and I really love him. And we've got to be really, um, I, I won't say super close friends because we're so far apart geographically, but I mean, we're, we're getting to be good friends. And, and I love them, and it's like they pray for people and they fall down. I'm the only person standing. And they invited everybody on, all of our leaders on stage this week. And I'm like, oh man. I didn't say holy crap. Bill made a good point today. Holy and crap do not go together. So they invited me up on stage, and I'm like, I don't want to go up on stage. Not because I don't want you to pray for me, because just everyone's going to know that I have this issue that I don't fall down. So they pray for everybody, and everybody on all of our staff. I mean, they don't fake. They're just drunk. They're just they're drunk when they're when they don't get prayed for. So I'm like, they actually don't need much encouragement. Down they go, and there I am. They're praying for me for a little, they usually give up after a while. And John was talking to me in the front row and he's like, you don't, you don't fall down and you get prayed for. I'm like, I really want to. 
He goes, me too. I've only gone down like four times in my life. I'm like, that's why I like you so much. You lead a whole movement where people get drunk and you don't get drunk. He's like, yeah, I don't know what what's the deal is. He said, but, you know, but, and so I, I stood up there and I'm like, you know, I actually I'm, I don't I really want to fall down, but I'm not going to just do it. I'm not going to do it to impress anybody. I'm not going to do it so John and Carol think I'm spiritual. I just won't do it. I just I just I just gone through the guilt of faking it. I'm not doing that. So. I have. I'm right here. You want to touch me? You touch me however you want. But I, I will remain authentic. So if you see me go down, if, you, if I tell you a story, I believe it's true. Because being authentic, being authentic and honest is very is one of my root core values. Being real. And so if I tell you a story that that I say happened, I believe it happened. If it didn't happen that way, it's, it's what I thought happened. It's the way I thought it happened. And, and I, I, when I, what I'm getting at is this, I want to talk about signs and wonders, but I know that it stimulates people to do weird stuff. And I'm like, I, I'm, it's good. Believe God to do the crazy, the, you know, the out of the box, the impossible and all that. But can you be yourself? Because what I, what I'm, what I don't want to create is hyper spiritualism where people are just like walking around like any second, you know, did you see the angel? I'm like, no, was I supposed to? And there's people that are opened up to a realm. Like I've pastored people, lots of people, who actually see the spirit realm. They see angels all the time. Like there's an angel right there. And I'm like, and, you know, and I, I don't know if you're like me, but I, I can be pretty skeptical because, like, I, and, and then I realize, you know, just because I don't see it, just because I don't feel it doesn't mean that God can't do something different for someone else. Like, okay, you can run everything you want to do through me first. Okay, well, that hasn't happened to me, so therefore it can't be true. I'm like, is that is that the you know, is that arrogance or what? And when I years and years ago, and you know, I've told the story so many times, but when I was about 22, I had a nervous breakdown that lasted about three and a half years, and it it opened me up to another dimension. And uh, to be honest, most of that dimension for many years was negative, and so I can walk into a, uh, a restaurant or. Even to a church, to be honest, but and I would see demons. I mean, I saw them. I don't know if I saw them with my eyes. I would say I saw them with my eyes because I, I mean, because I could see them. I could see them talking to people and manipulating people, and and um, and it was I, for a long time. Even after I came out and got well um, emotionally, and um, Kathy could tell you, I couldn't go in a restaurant. It was just like I could hear. It was like. You know how you go in a loud restaurant, like you go in the Logan's, it's loud in there. Like if you want to have a conversation with your friend, you don't go to Logan's, right? Not if you actually want to talk. Well, I go in a restaurant and I would hear all of these different, see all this stuff going on. And it was, I didn't see any angels, but I just saw the demonic realm. I don't know why. Like it wasn't, I, nothing I wanted to happen, but it just happened. So I couldn't go into restaurants. I couldn't go into public places and stay there for a long time. Um, I couldn't actually sleep in hotel rooms, and that's another thing I probably shouldn't talk about from the pulpit, but I just couldn't go in. I couldn't stay in a hotel room. I couldn't stay in somebody else's room. The stuff that happened in there really bothered me really bad. I don't mean it. I don't mean I just felt it. I mean it just troubled me. So, And it took me a long time to, um, I don't know what the right word is, desensitize. I think desensitize so that... Um, and, and I would ask God to help me with that because it, it didn't feel it didn't feel um, didn't feel good. It didn't feel helpful. 
And it also created a very uh, negative approach to my, my life and to my ministry. Because um, people who were very good people, I, could, I knew things about them. And I knew mostly negative things about people. It was very disturbing. And it was very difficult to build trust with people when I knew things about them. And when you're only seeing the, ne- the negative side and you don't see the light side, there's no balance. There's no like, well, this person's basically good, but they have this issue. That wasn't where I was at. So it was, it was very difficult. And, it was, and, and, um, and I, really, I really asked God to take away the, to the sensitivity to it so that I could live a normal life. And he really has. And I, I still have really, really strong discernment. And I've learned to manage it like... Um, I hope this isn't a crude example, but like you would manage your sex drive, I've, I've had to learn it to manage my discernment so that I can trust people and live normally. And if I don't manage it, it starts to manage me. And, you know, my wife could tell you that I start to, I don't trust people and I start to, like, I start to know too much that I think is only God's business. Does that make sense? And, um, and so I... I feel like um, the Lord wants to bring us into uh, a place of this. This He wants us. He wants to bring us into another dimension in Him. And I was trying to explain in the beginning, like there are dimensions of God, and I believe that the Lord wants to take the body of Christ as a whole, not just Bethel Church and our little movement, or you know Bill and I, or some. I I, I think that God wants to take the whole church into another level or dimension in God. That's going to open up in ways that will be reported about in Time Magazine and USA Today. And I think it's going to be a phenomena that is somewhat, um, maybe I could explain it like the charismatic movement was a phenomena when it happened, when the Jesus movement happened, the charismatic movement happened. It was reported in secular news because it wasn't just something that happened in the four walls of the church. It was actually affecting society. And I see this wave, uh, I don't, actually I don't even want to call it a wave because that, um, that depicts something that, that happens and goes away. And maybe it will, but it's not the way I see it. It's not the way I perceive it. I perceive God coming in wonders and miracles and signs, but it being very natural and normal. Which is why, I, why the pretext of my message is, is about not trying to be weird. That, that you can just be sitting with somebody talking and, and, and a glory cloud shows up or, or, you know, um, God says, stretch out your hand. I'm going to do something right here. And, um, and I feel like that's going to become very commonplace in, um, in the life of believers, um, probably like it never has before. You know, um, our forefathers were, you know, they were publicly crucified for speaking in tongues. Most of us, you know, most of us in this room, we, we speak in tongues, we sing in tongues and, I mean, it's not written up in any newspaper, and there's hardly, there, there's very few even believers who don't speak in tongues who even think you're crazy anymore. But there's, there was, a, there was a whole generation of people that couldn't get jobs and who were ostracized by society simply because they had an experience with God that was manifest in speaking in tongues. And if you spoke in tongues, you basically were relegated to to um, being um, anti-intellectual and and blue collar, if you will. Like those are the people who can't think and who aren't very intelligent. No, I'm I'm being real with you. There was a stigma attached to it. Like if you have the spirit, you're not intelligent. 
And, and so, um, and what I'm saying is that there are our forefathers, Bill's dad would have probably been one of them, that they paid a price for a manifestation when they came into another dimension. They came into this other dimension in God, and the, the, the main manifestation of that dimension was speaking in tongues. And so some, even some of the denominations will say something like this, um, you, you, you have to, if you're going to be a minister in our denomination, you have to believe that speaking in, in tongues is the uh, initial uh, evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And we're like, that's really, why, why, why would you, why would you, well, why is that so important that you would actually make that a criteria for being a minister in this, in a particular denomination? Because people were ostracized for it. In other words, they're like, hey, if you're with us, you'll be ostracized with us. You're going to have to believe that speaking in tongues is initial evidence of the Holy Spirit because because we paid a big price to come into God and have this manifest and, and coming into God came with this manifestation that nobody wanted. Hey, we want to do we want to do miracles. Good, we'll do that. We want to do healing. We healing's cool. Healing's cool. Miracles is cool. And um, interpretation of dreams is cool, and prophecy is cool. That tongue thing, can we get the Holy Spirit and not have the tongue thing? Because that's that, you know, thing Bill was talking about today, that like every move of God has some kind of a stigma with it. And so the tongue thing was the, the tongue thing. And I'm not being disrespectful to the Holy Spirit. I'm just telling you, like speaking in tongues for us is nothing, but our forefathers paid a great price for it. Are you with me? And so they're like, it's in the it's in their constitution and bylaws like this. You have to be with us because, you know, yeah, you want the healing thing. Yeah, you want the prophecy thing. But the tongue thing is what distinguished us. No, the tongue thing is what ostracized us. And if you're with us, then you'll believe this with us. And I believe that we're coming into another dimension in God. In which God is going to begin to move in wonders and signs and that, that cloud that that many of you saw. I only saw it on video is going to become a uh, very normal and natural thing for a cloud, for it to rain in, indoors and all that sort of thing. But I, I think that God's, um, God, I think we're practicing inside church, but that, that cloud's going to move out of the church. It's going to move, I'm telling you, it's going to move out of the church, and it's, it's going to move in different realms, and it has a purpose. Like, God doesn't show up in science, and I, I'm not saying I always know the purpose. I'm just saying that God doesn't do anything that doesn't have a purpose. He's a purposeful God. And some of the purposes, like God likes flowers, he told me, because he thinks they're pretty. It still has a purpose. He thinks they're pretty. Like he enjoys, he en- God enjoys life. Do you know that? Wow, that's a revelation. God actually enjoys life. He actually enjoys people. He enjoys creation. He likes flowers. He likes colors. He likes music. He likes, he actually likes it. Like he actually enjoys it. And so, um, but I, I think that God, God, um, is going to move in signs that, uh, uh, actually have, um, that actually have, uh, purposes that we can understand. And one is in, um, Exodus 19. I actually quoted it in prayer today. Exodus 19, 9 says, the Lord was talking to Moses and he has this long conversation with them about the people. And then he says this. The Lord says to Moses, behold, I will come to you in a thick cloud so that the people may hear you when I speak with you and may also believe in you forever. Then Moses told the um, then Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. Um, this is interesting because the Lord says, listen, what I'm going to do is I'm going to come in a cloud. 
okay, here's what's going to happen. Okay, you're going to, you're going to come down from this mountain. You're going to talk to the people. And, and Moses is telling the people, this is what the people are saying. And God say, okay, I got that. Listen, here's what we're going to do. You're going to go down the mountain and you're going to talk to the people. When you start talking, I'm going to come down in a thick cloud and I'm going to cover you. And I'm going to speak to you audibly in this cloud while the people watch. And, and, and in this case, I'm not doing it so they'll believe in me. I'm doing it so they'll believe in you. Because Moses like, the people are grumbling, you know, that I don't, I don't know if they respect me. God goes, well, I'm going to help that. I'm going to talk to you. We're going to have this conversation we're having right now. We're going to have it down there. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to externally process while the people listen. And we're going to put a cloud over you. So they believe in you forever. And I understand that, um, well, this is, this is where weird people take things and it's so, it's so hard to, to strike some kind of balance. But I actually believe that God wants people to believe in you. I actually, it's all through Proverbs. A good reputation is better than silver or gold. I actually believe, not, not I, I, I don't, I think that God has so much glory, I don't actually think you could take His. I mean, if you wanted to. I mean, if you're like, I'm stealing your glory. You're like, I understand, I understand that the problem isn't that you actually get gods. I understand the problem is arrogance. I understand it's like, to me, when someone tries to steal God's glory, it doesn't hurt God, it hurts you. Like, God has so much, it's like, just take it. I'm stealing this, and like, I'll just make some more. The problem, I don't think the problem is God. Like, you just stole God's glory, and he got less. It's like, I don't think that's the issue. I think the problem is what it does to people when they're arrogant and prideful. And, and I, do you, do you know what I'm saying? And I oftentimes think that, that, that we take, that we're actually taking God's glory more often when we're, when we don't think we are. But, but here's where I'm at. I think that one of the reasons why God's gonna do wonders and signs and miracles is because He wants people who don't know Him to listen to you. And I have this sense, and I, this is the uh, vision I shared this morning. I have this sense that um, you're going to be talking to someone really important. And how many of you know everybody's important? Everybody's important to God. But there are, it is true that God puts certain people in power, Romans 13, that God puts them there. And He says, those are my ministers, even though they don't know me. They're my ministers. And I put political leaders in power. I put business leaders in power. And I, I just have this picture, and I understand this is a pretty simple message, but I have this picture that you're, that you're standing before a, a politician or a world leader or, or somebody that God actually wants to move that whole mountain, if you will. He wants to move that mountain, or he wants to move the kingdom, that mountain into the kingdom. And he's like, they actually need to believe in you. They need to believe in God. That's a given. Obviously, that doesn't even need to be preached. But they actually need to believe in you. Like, like you're actually his ambassador. And I actually believe that there's going to be times that are coming. And I mean, like, I don't mean like 10 years. I mean soon when you'll go, God's going to show you a sign right now. And when I finish talking, the place is going to fill up with the cloud. And you're going to know it's going to rain in here while I'm talking so that you'll know that I am the servant of God. And you can listen to me. And actually, Moses did that with Pharaoh. I understand they were all negative. But there was ten plagues, and, and, he, and that got progressively worse, right? And he goes to Pharaoh, and he's like, hey, I've had this conversation with a bush. And you can imagine Pharaoh's like, <laughs> he's probably had, 
his share of ultra spiritual people. He's like, oh, not another one of these clowns. You talk to a bush. Oh, yeah, yeah. Talk back to me. It's like, yeah. And are you a vegetarian? <laughs> Moses had to be a pretty weird guy, you know. And so anyway, so I mean, he stutters. He's got Aaron with him, who's kind of like, you know, I don't know. Aaron can't really figure out what side he's on half the time. Aaron's with Aaron's like a chameleon. He's like whoever whoever looks like they have power. That's the side I'm on. Moses is home. I'm with Moses. Moses, Moses, God and me. Moses goes up to the mountain. Mm, you know, golden calf. That's you know what? Good point you have right there. You, you know, Aaron. He doesn't have. He doesn't. He's like a lot of people that don't. They don't really have good core values. Like they're good when they're around good people, and they just don't have the strength to stay good when they're not. And so, um, and so, you know, Moses talks to Pharaoh, and he's like, "Hey, you know what? I talked to this bush." And uh, he said, his name is I am. I mean, you know, just think about this. He, this guy grew up with Pharaoh. You know, he's like, um, yeah, I haven't seen you for a while. And I talked to this bush and. You know, all that slave labor you guys been using, that's the way that your whole economy works. Yeah, he wants you to let those guys go. I know there's a union. But God says you need to let them all go. Yeah. And if he says that if you don't, like, it isn't, it's going to get ugly. It's going to get really ugly. I'm sure the first time Pharaoh hears Moses, he's like, the dude's been out in the wilderness too long. And talking to bushes, he's got a god named I Am, which I have never heard of. And he wants me to ruin the economy of Egypt by letting his friends go. Yeah. Right. And Moses, okay, well, if you don't, well, you know, I don't even remember what the first plague was, but, you know, it's like, and God says, if you don't, you know, like, there's going to be, like, mice and rats and frogs and and blood in the water. And I can't remember all the things he told me, but I will remember when I come back. <laughs> I was just, we'll start with one, and it's going to get progressively worse. You know, I, I'm just sure that, I'm sure that, Pharaoh's like, man, this guy's he's falling off his rocker, you know, until he gets to like the fifth plague, you know, and then the Egyptians are kind of like um, Moses. is. In fact, it says that Moses was highly esteemed among the people by the fifth plague because Moses was highly esteemed. That means he was getting famous. I mean, the people are like, hey, if this is democracy, I vote. We let we let the slaves go. <laughs> Uh, let the slaves go. Hi, <laughs> uh, Farrell. Dude, if we could vote you out right now. <laughs> let the slaves go. And so, um, but let me just say this, that I, I think that God wants to validate that he is with you. I know this sounds arrogant. I understand that God's going to deal with you if it becomes arrogance in your life. But I actually believe that God wants to validate that he's with you because he wants to do some powerful things in the earth. And he actually, you know, he actually wants to bring about the promises for nations, the making disciples of all nations. And I look at some of the promises of God and I'm like, you know what, if I look at the promises of God 
for nations. And like Isaiah 60, the second part of Isaiah 60, Isaiah chapter 2, Matthew chapter 28. I look at some of these promises and I look at the world today and I'm like, man, you know what? I don't see how that. I mean, I'm just like I'm the guy who who believes in the impossible. And that doesn't look possible. I, I, I don't have too much trouble believing for just about any person as dark as you can get. I've seen I think we all have seen like the person who. Everyone believes that person can't get saved. I mean, I've seen those kind of people saved for years. The guy who ridiculed you, the guy who hated you, the guy who, you know, cursed God. I've seen those people get saved. I'm like, I have faith for that. Any, anybody can get saved. But I've not seen nations get saved. I've not seen people, you know, come to, to God by the tens of thousands, the nations, kings, carrying their, bringing their, their gold with them. And I'm like, man, that, you know, I, I'm kind of like, I understand why people take stuff like that and push it into the millennium. Because I can't figure out how that could possibly happen either. And then I start thinking about the X factor. I start thinking about when God breaks in from another dimension and he does something that can't, that you couldn't imagine, you didn't think it up. And, and you, and you begin to, and you begin to realize like, you know, people have all these, like, they have these ideas like, well, the Masons and the, and the, the Illuminati, they have these, you know, this idea they're going to take over the world. And, and the, you know, and, you know, I listen to those people and they have all this, it's on, it's on our dollar and it's all this stuff. And now if I spend about an hour with those people, it sends me back to my nervous breakdown days and I start seeing evil spirits everywhere. I'm like, And they have some really powerful points. If you've ever listened to any kind of a teaching, I mean, I, seriously, I'm joking aside. I'm like, wow, that stuff's. And then, you know, and I remember talking to somebody. This has probably been two or three years ago. And they were talking to me about this whole Illuminati thing. And there's this then presidents. And I don't even want to say this on air, but it was just it was just scary stuff. And, and, and the facts that are attached to it and all this crazy stuff. And I'm I left there, man. I mean, my my anxiety was amped. My anxiety was really amped. I was like, whoa, you know, that makes really good sense. And I can see your point and all that. And I, I drive away and I still remember. I can still remember where I was, I was like, the Lord said, you've forgotten the X factor. I'm like, the X factor says that they have a plan, but I have a plan. I have a plan. I have a plan. You know, it's, it, to me, it reminds me of Daniel. You can imagine Nebuchadnezzar goes into Israel. He destroys Jerusalem. He tears down the temple. He, you know, wipes out all of Jerusalem, all of Israel, most of the Israelites. He takes four boys prisoner. Four boys. After he's wiped out all of Israel, you're like, all hope is lost. Oh, my God. You know, what could possibly happen? Good now. He takes four boys captive. And they decide they're only going to eat vegetables, which I don't really think that has anything to do with it. <laughs> These four boys, they're prisoners, and, you know, and they must have served in the courts of the, in Israel. The king says, you know, hey, take some of the royal people, Israelite people, and, you know, train them for me. You know, find some good ones and, you know, put them in. Yeah, I'd like them to work for me. And so... The, you know, the king's servant tra- finds these four boys, you know, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, and he says, you know, a king wants to bring you into service. You know, you guys look, you look good and you seem kind of smart, you know, and we're going to start feeding you the king's food and we're going to train you. And, and here's, the, do you understand that, you know, just 
The king just destroyed their nation, wiped out their armies. It's like, what? What hope is there left? The king made a mistake because he didn't kill those four boys. He didn't realize that God had an X factor. That God had signs and wonders and miracles. And God doesn't need armies to actually change countries. And when he brings Daniel, and you know, obviously the rest of the boys, but when he brings Daniel into his service, he doesn't realize who came with him. And all of a sudden, and I don't, you know, we don't know what happened before Daniel got there, because obviously Daniel writes the book of Daniel. We don't know if the king was troubled before this, but we know that when Daniel gets there, the king starts having dreams that he knows has something to do with his destiny, and yet God gives him the dream and gives him an urgency about the dream, and then won't tell him what it is. But, but puts this kid in the court who knows what the dreams mean. And I'm like, there it is, the X factor right there. God's doing signs and wonders and miracles, and he's actually put the guy right there who knows how to interpret dreams. The, guy, the king's like, I like you. You can help me. And Daniel's, yeah, I can help you. And Daniel serves four kings. You know, he serves... Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, who he leads to God, and Belshazzar, his son, who he doesn't, and Darius, and then finally Cyrus, who lets the people back, go back and rebuild their, their country and pays for all of it. And what I'm getting at is this, is that, that you, you may not realize this, but God always has the X factor. He always has the ability to break in into this dimension from another dimension and what we call signs and wonders, the reason why it's a sign, the reason why healing's a sign or a cloud is a sign or, or, you know, a miracle is a sign is because it's, it, it, it's evidence that a superior kingdom has just, has just superimposed itself over an inferior kingdom. In other words, the kingdom is right here. It's right there. I love, I love Jesus, of course, but I love the fact that when Jesus, after he died and rose from the dead, he never used doors anymore. <laughs> Just walked through the wall. I mean, he could have opened the door. I mean, why? Is it? Oh, he made fish. I mean, I mean, he cooked fish. Like, he did that naturally. But I like when he, the boys are talking. He's like, he just walks through the wall. Hi, guys. What are you guys talking about? <laughs> why doesn't he open? Why doesn't he go through the door? Because he is the door. He's the door. He said, I am the door of the sheep. He brings the door wherever he's going. He brings the door with him. He doesn't use doors because he is the door. He's the door to the next dimension. So when you see a miracle or a sign, it's like, oh, that person got healed. That's amazing. You know, glory cloud showed up. Awesome. We all took pictures of it. But the real point is, is that the kingdom is right here. You can step in to this kingdom and you can, and the X factor can affect your city, your family, your finances, your whatever. <coughs> Are you with me? That the point of signs is that it, it's a sign. So deep. I mean, some of us are just a burning bush away from knowing God. 
I mean, who would know that the guy who's killing all the Christians would write 14 books of the Bible? How did that happen? The X factor. It happened with a sign, a miracle. Uh, he had a vision, falls off. If he's on a donkey, I'm not sure. That, that part isn't really clear. But And he's blind. And a disciple, do you know this? A, a disciple named Ananias goes to see him. Not an apostle, not a prophet, not anybody. A disciple, Jesus speaks to a disciple. Like that's the lowest level private. <laughs> hey, I want you to go to this address right here. I just knocked the guy off his donkey. You can't see. And I want you to tell him, you know, this is his call. Da, 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 da. He goes to the exact house, goes to the door. Hey, uh, your name's Saul, right? Yeah, how do you know? <laughs> oh, the Lord spoke to me. Yeah, and he said, this is the, this is the word he gave you. Da, 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 da. This is your word. And he told me, I'm going to lay hands on you. You're going to see signs. The, the, this, think about it, man. This guy's like This guy's like Hitler. Like he's killing all the Christians. He's got orders from the king to wipe out all the Christians. Whole Christian family's been wiped out because of this guy. And guess what happened? The X factor and the guy who's killing everybody ends up writing half of the New Testament. <coughs> Are you with me? I, I just, let me just read you a few scriptures. John 2.23 now, when Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name, observing the signs he was doing. Why did he do signs? So they would believe in him. Are you with me? John nine sixteen, Jesus was doing signs and wonders. And there was a big argument about if Jesus was actually with God. And they said this, but they were saying, how could a man who's a sinner perform these signs? How many of you understand that the world knows that sinners don't perform signs, but saints do? <laughs> it's just a thought. John 20, verse 30 says, Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of his disciples were not written in any book. How many understand that this, the miracles that you have written down? It's like, you know, he did more than that. How many understand that God's bigger than the book? In fact, John also said, if all the miracles that Jesus did were written down, the earth itself could not contain the books. How many of you understand that, God, that Jesus did a bunch of extra biblical stuff? <laughs> he didn't do anti-biblical stuff. That should be clear. But he did extra biblical stuff. Well, if that's not in the Bible, well, that fits into and all the things that Jesus did were written down. I'm not saying they all fit in there, but you get the idea. Um. Acts 2.19, um, I'm going to grant wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below. This is Acts 2.17. This is the verse that says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your, your young men will see visions. Or uh, vice versa. Yeah, your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even upon your bond. It goes on like that, right? It's the inauguration of, the, of Pentecost in a sense. And the Holy Spirit's poured out on all flesh. And one of the signs is that it, one of the signs one of the signs that the Holy Spirit's poured out on all flesh is I'm going to grant that there'll be signs in the heavens. No, I'm sorry. It says I'm going to grant that there'll be wonders in the in the sky and signs on the earth. That's a part. Listen, we got the tongues, we got the prophecy. This is a part of it. 
I'm going to grant that there'll be wonders in the, in the, in the sky. Actually, it doesn't say heaven. There'll be wonders in the sky and there'll be signs on the earth. Why don't we just embrace that? <laughs> Wouldn't it be awesome if, pro- if signs became like prophecy? Like you could just walk in here and I, you know, I've learned that Holy Spirit lives in me and he has all the gifts. Well, I can prophesy over you anytime I want, but usually I don't want to. So please don't come up and ask me because <laughs> you have Holy Spirit in you, too. So here's my prophecy over you. Read your Bible. <laughs> but wouldn't it be awesome if signs became as available as prophecy and healing so that you're you're talking to someone who doesn't believe and you're like, wait a second. It says um, that God said he would grant wonders in the sky. So, okay, we're outside um, right now. And you just like, this is going to happen right now. So to show you that God is, is what I'm telling you is true. Whew, happens. There's going to be a pillar right here in front of us in about 20 seconds. When I finish talking, shh, there it is. Okay. Oh, now you want to receive Christ. That's good. <laughs> People make ridiculous statements like, I don't know what signs and wonders are for. Well, you would if you didn't believe and somebody instantly said, hey, there's, this is going to happen. Hey, the sea's going to part. I think you would believe. I think that, I think that signs can be strategic. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be done. Ten minutes. <clears throat> Acts 2.42 they were continually speaking of all the disciples. They were con- t- continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many signs and wonders were taking place to the apostles. I like that. Here's, here's one of my favorite verses. Acts 4.29. I just realized this, that you can actually pray for signs and wonders. That they would happen. Listen to this. Now, Lord, take note of their threats. So the, uh, the whole... Um, Political realm is now against them. The Pharisees, Sadducees are against the disciples. And there's a whole movement that's now in, in Acts 4. It's about the fourth year of, of the, what they called the way, the move of God. And now they're really starting to get persecuted. So they're being, you know, James, I think by now James is, de- is dead. The um, half-brother of Jesus. Um, no, no, uh, no, I'm sorry. That's James is John's brother. He's he's dead and um, and their church is really being persecuted and they're they're being brought in and questioned and flogged and told not to preach. And so they leave one of those sessions, which is getting pretty intense. And they and they pray this prayer. Lord, take note of their threats and grant your bond servants that they may speak the word with confidence while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through your holy servant, Jesus. And as they prayed, I love this. So they're praying, Lord, listen, take note. Listen, they're threatening us. They have messed with the wrong people. Lord, they've messed with the wrong. They're messing with us. I want you to take note of their threats. And we're going to preach. And while we preach, we want you to do signs and wonders. When they got done praying, it says, and the place was shaking. God goes, amen. Here's your first one. And the next time there was a shaking, the jailhouse doors opened and Peter got out. <laughs> Can you imagine when, uh, you know, Paul and Silas are praying 
And they're in the the lowest prison. They're down in the dungeon. And they're worshiping, it says. I I don't know how they do that, but that... Man, that's, that's another level of relationship with God. I mean, you're in, you're in prison. You're thinking you're going to be dead, killed. You've got Paul and Silas down there, and Paul's like, um, you know any hymns? <laughs> like, seriously, dude. No. Hmm. I know this one. Why don't you sing it with me? Oh, Paul, you're so extreme. <laughs> I mean, he starts singing, they start singing hymns, and all the, says the foundation of the prison was shaken, and the doors were all open. Same thing happened with Peter. Peter's in prison, and their prayers are being made for him by the saints, and an angel of the Lord goes down and opens the prison, and his, his shackles fall off, and he thinks he's having a vision. I mean, I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying, it's like, this is a real jailhouse rock. <laughs> and I can imagine they're like, next time they arrest people, they're like, listen, don't let them sing. <laughs> don't, let, don't let them sing. I don't know what they're singing down there, but every time they do, <laughs> it totally screws up the prison. <laughs> you can imagine, you, know, you can imagine that these guys have a reputation for jailbreaks. I'm serious. They killed James, and from then on, they can't hold these guys. They put them in prison, the guys pray or, or, or sing. It's not good. Three times in the book of Acts, they get released from prison. It's only 28 years with two, following two people's lives. That's pretty amazing. I mean, listen, if you commit a crime and you go to prison, don't worry about it. That was a joke. That, that little piece will be put on YouTube. That's <laughs> what Chris Valentin says about crime. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Okay. This is the favorite verse of many churches. Second Thessalonians three eight, that there'll be false signs and false wonders, and there'll be deception. I'll just read it to you. Then, then that lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will slay with his breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. That is the one whose coming is accordance with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders, with all deception and wickedness, for those who perish. Because they did not receive, because they did not receive the love of the truth and be saved. How many of you know that signs and wonders are going to get so popular, the devil's going to have to duplicate them to keep people from getting saved? You, you, you only copy things that are valuable. So people read that and they're like, well, man, there's false signs and false wonders. Who's going to have false signs and false wonders if there's not real ones? I don't know if you're interested, but signs are mentioned 42 times in the New Testament alone and wonders 16 times in the New Testament. That's quite a few times. 
Um, so Romans, uh, I'll read this last verse and then tell you a story when we're done. Romans 15, 8, 18. For I will not presume to speak of anything except that what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by the word and deed, in the power of signs and wonders, in the power of the Spirit. So from Jerusalem and around about as far as Iconium, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. I'm not against anybody. I'm not mad at anybody. But you can't preach. You can't fully preach the gospel of Christ without signs and wonders. You cannot. You can't separate signs and wonders from the full gospel. It's impossible to preach a king that can resurrect you from the dead and not be able to demonstrate that he has power over this dimension. (laughs) It's silly. Listen, think about it. Think about it. Um, Would you like to get saved? And when you die, you're going to be raised from the dead. Oh, really? How do I know that's going to happen? Okay, well, let me show you something that defies the laws of physics in this dimension, and then you can believe in a resurrection. Because Jesus said, I'm, uh, John Arnott was, was reading the passage that Bill's quoted many times. Jesus said, if the miracles were done, and he talked about these three cities in Sodom that were done in you, they would have repented long ago. How many understand that signs and wonders and miracles teach you? They say, listen, if God can do that, then he can raise you from the dead. It's just the natural, logical conclusion. If God has power over this dimension and he can do something in this dimension that is naturally not possible, then it is very possible that he can raise you from the dead. We um, some years ago, we went to a university and um my friend has a class on signs and wonders on this university campus. It's a very secular university. As a matter of fact, the number one religion on this campus, this particular campus, is Wicca. You know what Wicca is? And so um, my friend, who's a Baptist, he, he, he heard my story. This, this is when we first met. He heard my story, and he's like, hey, what I'd like you to do is come and share your story about being demonized and getting free from demons in my class that I have on signs and wonders on the university campus. I'm like, okay, that sounds like fun. <coughs> so we, we get to his church, and we're, his church uh, is right, actually it's on the campus, it's right off the campus. And so we're, we get to his church and all that, and, you know, we don't know each other very well at this time, and, and I have about, I don't know, 10 students with me, and and we're walking to the university. And anybody who knows me knows I, I have this real thing about education. I don't have an education, so um, it's been a problem in my life. I, I try to work through not, you know, being with smart people. I, I've done a lot better, but but I, I, I do have um, a fear of feeling stupid around really intelligent and educated people, and especially back then. This, this is probably ten times worse. So we're walking to the campus the university campus, and while we're walking, my friend, he's so excited, he's, he's kind of a tall guy, and he's kind of lanky, and he's like, and while we're walking, we've got maybe a 10-minute walk, and while we're walking, he's like, this is going to be so exciting, I can't wait to, you know, uh, to, to you start sharing in the class, and, and then he starts telling me that, you know, he says, most, he goes, I have like four Christians in the class, I'm like, he goes, yeah, he goes, most of them are Buddhists, and they're atheists, 
And they're, and he's telling me about, and he goes, and a bunch of them are religions you've never heard of. And I'm like, now I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting nervous. I'm like smart people who don't know God. I didn't know that. I thought I was talking to Christians that I was going to inspire. So we get to the door, the back door of the campus. We walk in through the back door of the campus. And, and now I'm nervous. Like I, I wasn't before. I was like pretty excited to share my testimony. And the more my friend is telling me about the class, the more anxiety is growing in me. And so we get to the back door of the class, of, not of the class, of the university to go into the hall. And just as we open the door, I mean, it's clear as day. It wasn't audible, but it's clear as day. The Lord speaks to me. He goes, I'm going to show off today. He tells me, I'm going to show off. Now, wait, you've got to understand. I know the number one religion. He's just telling me the number one religion on our campus is Wicca. I know what Wicca is. Witchcraft. And he's telling me all, he's telling me all this stuff. And it's like, it's not, you know, he thinks it's like <clears throat> building faith in me. And I'm just like, actually, it's making me feel really small. And so we get to the campus and I can feel this stuff. I told you, I can feel stuff. And so I can feel this stuff. And as we get to the campus, it's getting more intense. And we get to the door of the campus and he opens the door and he's all excited. And, he, and, and, and we start to go in the door and the Lord says really clearly, today I'm going to show off. And I, yeah, it's exciting now because I'm past it. But I, here's my first thought. I don't know if like that's not a verse in the Bible. I'm going to show off. And I'm in this really demonically inspired. Can you kind of picture? I'm like, I'm going like into the haunted house. And I hear this voice that tells me today I'm going to show off. I'm like, is that in the Bible? Is this, is that the Lord? That's what I'm thinking. Is this the Lord? Well, before I could get that answered, we're in the classroom. And he goes, you have 45 minutes. And, and he tells me, listen, listen, this is really important. You have 45 minutes. You can't go 46 because these students have to be out. And other students come, and this is a very strict timeline. So, you know, you can talk to the students, and we can create another place, another time for you to talk to them again later. But it's it's imperative that we get out of here in 45 minutes exactly. I'm like, okay, okay, good. So, <clears throat> there's students come in there, and it's kind of, I'm you know, I'm I'm kind of nervous, and and my students are in there, and they're in the back, and they're praying, Holy Spirit, you know, doing stuff. They're doing. They're super spiritual stuff. And, and I'm actually very glad they are doing it at this point. I'm like, good, just do that. That's awesome. So I just start sharing and I'm just like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to like throw caution in the wind and I'm just going to tell them the way it was. And so I start telling them about what happened to me. And I had this nervous breakdown and a voice spoke to me and told me that I was going to die. And for three and a half years, I shook and demons visited me and the more i talked the more interested they got they're like like they're all I, i'm like i'm looking at them like they know what i'm talking about this is like i talked to christians they're like he's weird these guys are like these are my people i'm like <laughs> people are connecting i mean it just totally goes silent as soon as i i'm, I'm like two minutes into my message it goes totally silent and I'm, I'm just kind of casually sitting on the the desk, there's no seat for me to sit in, so I sit on the desk. I'm just talking to him about what happened and how it happened and how Jesus, this chief of all the spirits, delivered me. And I get about maybe ten minutes into my message, and there's a young man sitting like second row back, and he looks scary. And I can tell he's doing his scary thing, and I'm like, I know, I know scary, because some of my students, they're doing the scary thing too on the other side. <laughs> I get it, you know. So the guy's doing scary, and I'm like, dude, I used to do scary. I get it. 
And he's doing his, you know, scary, throwing curses at me and stuff. I'm like, I don't like that crap, you know. That's, I know what you're doing. So I decide, you know, first I'm getting mad and I think, okay, I know how to fix this. So I tell him, hey, stand up. He, he looks at me. I said, I said, stand up. Then I did my intense look. I know how that looks on camera. <clears throat> so he reluctantly stands up and I say, um, and I give him this word about, um, I give him this word about government and I see you as a politician, but it's in another nation. And I do this whole thing about da da da. And I said, does that mean anything to you? And he goes, no, and sits down. I'm like, oh, whatever. So I've finished my story and it's like, and, and um, my, my pastor friend goes like this to his watch. Like, you got two minutes out of here. I'm like, oh, I remember. It's really important. So I, I kind of do a quick close and um, and, we're, and we go to leave. So we're going to leave. And, you know, there's students trying to come in the door <clears throat> and students trying to go out the same door. And so we're kind of all just kind of waiting there. And this girl comes up to me. <clears throat> She's sitting at, towards the back of the room and she comes up to me. And when she comes up to me, she said, hey, hey, I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you. And I go, yeah. I know you. Your mother was a witch. She looked at me. That's right. I go, and you think you're a witch, but you're not. You're a prophetess. And God has called you. In fact, he visited you the other night in your room. And she goes, and we're waiting. We're waiting to get out the door, right? And, of course, all the students can hear. And she goes, that's exactly right. She said, an evil spirit came into my room. No. I, I, oh, I forgot this part. I said, and God has called you and he's talked to you the other night, but an evil spirit came in your room and tried to kill you. That was the rest of this part. And she goes, that's exactly right. She said, an evil spirit came in the room. I stood up on the bed and it tried to run over me, which I have no idea what that could look like. <laughs> it's what she said. These are my people. I'm like, we are relating. I go, that's right. And that thing's been tormenting you since you were a little girl. As a matter of fact, you almost died in your mother's womb and you almost died. And I forget now the details. I'm sorry, but it was like three times. And she goes, that's exactly right. And I said, and God wants to free you from that spirit of torment. She said, I want that. So we're in the door. We're, we're waiting now, you know, like 35 students trying to come out, 35 trying to come in. There's all this congestion. My pastor friend's like, we have to get out. And so I, so I grab her hands while we're, we're going out the door, and I'm thinking, I'm going to start to pray for her. I'm going to start to pray for her, and then we're going to go outside. I'm going to finish praying for her. So I grab her, she, she grabs my hands. I said, grab my hands. She grabs my hands, and we're just walking. And, I, and, I, and I'm going to say, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke this spirit of torment, and we're going to finish this. I've done this hundreds of times. I know what I'm doing. But we're in university. So I grab her hands and we get to the door and I'm, I'm not even looking at her. I'm like, I'm you know, like, just grab my hands. Let's go pastor. My pastor friend's like, oh, come on, we got to get out of here. We're going to get in trouble. So I go in and I, so I'm going to say in the name of Jesus, I rebuke. So I go in the name. And before I can say Jesus, she falls down in the doorway. <laughs> and she's in a full on manifestation. I'm, there's people watching, so I don't know how freaky you want to get. But it looked like a grand mal seizure. And, I mean, she's doing things, and man's voice is speaking out of her, and she's flipping and flopping. Now, I know what to do. 
And my, and my pastor friend looks over at me like, do something. <laughs> I've done hundreds of deliverances, so this is not new for me. But we're in university. I'm like, I'm not sure what to do. So he just looks at me and he goes like, he goes like this. She's in the doorway, flopping. And people are like. The students are totally like. So I reach over and I put my hand on her stomach and I said, in the name of Jesus, you leave this woman alone right now. Now, I've done that lots of times. It usually doesn't take on the first time. They usually talk back and do other stuff. She instantly got delivered. I'm not kidding you. Instantly. Those university demons are smart. She got delivered, and she got the holy laughter. This, this girl is not a believer. She wouldn't even know holy laughter if it ran over her. She's on the floor, and she starts... <laughs> and I mean, she's laughing, and she's rolling and laughing. And now the students are... They don't know what's going on. Like, two kingdoms just collided, and one lost. So... Now, my pastor friend is like, oh, we are in big trouble. What did you do in the university? You know? So we pick her up, we, the four of us, we take her arms and we drag her. Because she's all, she's, she's not, you know, you, you can't just pick them up. It doesn't work like that. So we, like four of us pick her up and we drag her out in the hallway, closed hallway, closed in hallway in the university. And, she's, and, and people are gathering like it's a fight. And she's just rolling and laughing and laughing. And she's totally out of it. She's like in a trance state. She's just laughing and laughing. And, you know, I don't know how many students, maybe a hundred students are gathering. Like they're not going to their class. You can hear it through the hallway, right? You know, this is a concrete hallway. So my pastor friend says, we better drag her butt outside. So we pick her up. And we, spring day, and we drag her outside the back door of the university. You know, there's people coming and going. University, we got her in the back. We got her outside. And she's rolling around, and I'm telling you, she's totally trance-like. And this is, this is now like 20 minutes. And people are gathering, like, what's going on here? And people are like, they're talking, you know, like you would. It's like, what's happening? What's going on? What's, going on? what's happening? Is something, do we need to call an ambulance? What's happening? And she's just rolling around, and everybody's just watching her. And I'm watching her, and I really have no clue what to do. I don't know what to do. And, and while we're while watching, and I don't know how many people have gathered, honestly, they didn't count, but maybe 75 to 100 people, a group. There's a group around her. But what's really strange is while they're watching, mo- most of these people aren't Christians. I mean, I have my team with me, but the people that are watching aren't Christians. While we're watching, I notice that the people who are watching are going. It's not my students doing that. It's the people who are watching. And I, I mean, I observed this with my eyes. And I'm like, and at first I'm like, what? You know, I thought they were kind of like making fun of her at first. And I'm like, and they, they look as shocked as, as, as I am. So this guy, maybe he's from here to me to Bill. And, he, and I go, hey, you want some of this? He goes, no. Yeah. I don't know. 
Like that. I go, well, take it. I didn't touch him. I go, oh, take it. And when I say take it, he falls down on the ground and he's laughing. And I go, oh, now I know what we're doing. <laughs> I know what we're supposed to do now. So I just look at everyone who's doing that and I go, you want some more? And the first three say, I don't know or no. And I go, oh, just take it. And boom, 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 boom. People are falling. I don't know how many were actually on the ground, maybe 15 are on the ground and they're laughing and they're drunk and they're, to- I mean, just like being here on, you know, with the Arnauts, they're totally wiped out. And the people that are watching, why are you? Every time somebody, every time one goes down, my pastor friend goes, woohoo! Woohoo! <laughs> and of course, more people are gathering. And this woman professor comes and she walks through and she walks past and she's trying to pretend this isn't really happening. You know, you've done that before. She walks past and she looks over like this isn't really happening. And she walks in the door of the university and I'm kind of watching her. And my pastor friend's looking at her like, oh, that's someone really important. And she turns around and she comes back out and she goes, what's going on here? I go, I don't know. And she goes, I don't either. And she goes back in and leaves. And so this goes on for, I don't know, maybe half an hour. or I mean, outside, we're maybe outside for half an hour, maybe longer. And maybe from here to the wall, about that far, there's a guy holding hands with his girlfriend against the wall. And he's trying to disappear in the wall. I'm ser- seriously, not consciously, just he's, he's pushed for no reason. No one's touching him. He's pushed against the wall like this. And his girlfriend is, and he's holding his girlfriend's hand. I go, hey, are you a Christian? He goes, no. I go, well, you should be. Because your father dedicated you to the Lord on the day you were born. He held you up and dedicated you to the Lord. What's your name? He said, Joshua. You know, Joshua means God saves. And he said, and, and he said, he's nervous, like he doesn't even know what he's saying. He goes, I'm, I'm one of eight kids and I'm the only one who doesn't know God. That's what he says. And I go, well, I said, well, your girlfriend's been praying for your butt. Because she knows God. And when I said that, she falls down on the ground and she grabs his legs. Now, these people are still... <laughs> I mean, Guys, up against the wall, his girlfriend has his legs. We're right out on the university campus, right outside. And she's yelling, God save him! That's totally crazy. So I go up there and, you know, as I get closer, he's... I pray for him, poof, down, you know. Jesus loves him. And we were there for like three days just destroying stuff. It was so fun. <laughs> oh, I brought Brian back the next year. Brian's singing. We're in his room and he's singing. What's he singing? <laughs> he's singing something like, uh, God hates the devil. No, Luther 
Oh, yeah. No, yeah. Yeah, he's singing, a, he's singing a song, and then he goes into a spontaneous song. And this place is full, like jam, with like 200 people in it. And, and he starts singing, Buddha sucks. <laughs> Buddha sucks. Muhammad sucks. But Jesus saves. He's singing it in the university camp. Uh, he's just a kid then, you know. He's like, I'm like, Buddha sucks. Muhammad sucks. But Jesus saves, you know. He's just in another dimension. I look over at my pastor friend, he's like, not the best lyrics to pick. And we ask people at the end, you know, who wants to receive Jesus? You know, they're in this thing, and I'm no evangelist. And people are like, stand up, I do, I do, I do. And we start praying for them, and they're in the, we're in the music room. The seats are bolted down like um, theater seats, and there's a pit. Uh, what is it called? Orchestra pit. In between us and them, like a deep pit. So... You can't, there's no place to, have to fall in the pit. <laughs> Minister to him. So I'm up front and they're like, who wants to receive it? Brian's still playing. I don't even know what he's playing after that. I was like, don't listen, just preach. <laughs> and we're like, so who wants to receive Jesus? These guys are, I do, I do, I do, everywhere I do. Well, just receive Jesus right now. And they're falling over the orchestra's chairs and people are crawling around. I'm like, watch out for the pit. <laughs> I get home, the ho- I get back to the hotel room that night, and the Lord said, I told you I want to show off. <laughs> the Lord told me, I had so much fun, didn't you? <laughs> oh, man, I could tell you so many stories, but why don't you stand up? Do you know Moses had the first PowerPoint? <laughs> this is for I, it was for the iMac. It was I am. It was after the Apple, though. Just putting it in context. Okay. It's just my nature to want to entertain you too. So I, I want to pray for you. I, it's doing so good. <laughs> Sorry. Who would like to just do signs and wonders? Okay. Why not? Why don't you? What are you waiting for? So I want to pray for you all. All y'all. For the Texans. For the Texans. All y'all. And then you're going to go out and do likewise. So Holy Spirit. Some of you people are already so crazy. I just don't know what's going to happen to this prayer. <laughs> if you do something really stupid, please 
do not tell people that I told you to do it. <laughs> or Bill. Okay. Danny, it's okay. <laughs> There's so much weird stuff on the internet I've said already. <laughs> Some of it I really said, which is the problem. It's really hard to say, I didn't say that. So I just write, I was under the wrong anointing. <laughs> Holy Spirit, I just pray right now that you would just release wonders, signs, and miracles through these people. The X Factor. And I pray right now that every situation that their city's in that's impossible, that you would give them a vision of what you want to do. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's Illuminati. It's the Satan whatever. That's so much bunch of junk. Like, you know what the devil's doing? No, I only know what the Lord's doing. I got the ball. <laughs> so, Holy Spirit... I pray that this, uh, all these plans the enemy has, I pray he, it says that the, it says the wicked plots against the righteous and the Lord laughs. <laughs> it's, it's funny. <laughs> I think it's funny too. Me, me. <laughs> Just it comes to my mind. <laughs> Just, you can be impressed if you want. I am not impressed. This is a secret plan. We got a secret plan too. It's called on earth as it is in heaven. It's our secret plan. And now it's not a secret. So can you not interrupt me? I was, I was praying. Holy Spirit. What was I praying? I pray that you would cause these people to move in wonders and signs and miracles. And that it would result in the kingdom coming. Not in more weirdness. Not in... <laughs> yeah. That. That right there is what I'm talking about. <laughs> Lord, it would result in, in nations coming into the kingdom. In nations coming into the kingdom. And Lord, I pray that you would teach us how to walk in signs and wonders, the way we've learned to walk in healing, the way we've learned to walk in prophecy, the way we've learned to walk in many of the gifts, that you would teach us how to walk in wonders and signs. You said we can pray about that, and so we're praying about it right now, that you would move in wonders and signs and miracles. And that when we go into places where we need them to know that you're speaking through us, that you would show them a sign. And we'd be able to say, I'm going to show you a sign. And Lord, I, I pray that we would get confident that, that these signs, uh, the wonders in the sky and signs on the earth, that we have access to those so commonly that we can actually move the hearts of people. And Lord, that we would use it for good. We wouldn't use it to impress people. I can just imagine the critics right now. It's like, oh, those people are so crazy. Lord, I, I, I pray that you would give us a good heart. 
it wouldn't be to show off, but to show you off. And I don't know how we'd possibly get credit for it, but we wouldn't take it if we did. And Lord, I bless this people. I bless these people. I bless the people who are watching via Bethel TV. No, listen, I'm not saying I bless you as a greeting. I'm, I'm actually blessing you. I bless these people right here. In Jesus' name, I bless these people. That these people would be a blessed people. That they would be like Joseph. That everything they touch succeeds because God is with them. I pray for circumstances that they're in right now that they're thinking, man, I need one of those wonders. I need the X factor. I need something crazy to happen. My, my husband, my wife, my son, my daughter, my health, my, my finances. I mean, you can just, we don't even have to leave this room. And I bet you there's three or four hundred miracles that need to happen in this room alone to actually bring about what God already said. Not, not even what he's saying, like what God already said. And so, Lord, I pray right now, the people that are thinking that right now, they're thinking, man, I need one of them. I need one of them X factor miracles that turn around this situation that's in my life, not just in my city, in my life, in my personal life as a believer. I need this thing to happen that everyone says isn't going to happen. The odds are against me. But I pray that you would be the X factor in this thing. And I just release that over your people right now, that that very thing. That 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 Red Sea crossing, that wall that needs to fall down, that lion that needs to not be hungry, that fire that can't burn me, that crazy person who wants to kill me, that son of mine who hates my guts for I don't know what reason. Lord, I thank you. You said that the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. And like water, he turns it whatever way he wants. And Lord, I thank you that I don't know how you do free will and you can do whatever you want, but I know you do it. And so we pray for people to have your will (laughs) instead of free will who are not doing well in Jesus' name. And we pray for healings for people that are are terminally ill, they're sick, they're mentally ill. Um, Yeah, we pray for that among these people. And that you would leave this place and God would give you ideas of things you've never thought of doing. And you're like, okay, this is God. This has to be God. I wouldn't do this. Now, weird people, you just don't need to listen to this message. You'll already do anything. I'm talking to normal people. Lord, let the normal people do wild stuff. Can you come? You're going to come and, yeah, come and do something. Thank you, Lord. Just.